0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Uh, I'm going to share with you for a few minutes. Uh, not, this isn't a normal sermon. I don't have a, a sermon like I normally would. We knew a lot was going on today. A lot of different things were happening. So I want to give you a report. And, and this report is really about how you as a church... Um, help to extend the ministry of Grace Harvest Church through my wife and I. I want to give you a report of the things that we've been doing outside of here and, uh, and just encourage you with how your prayers And your support have made it possible for us to do some incredible stuff in other churches, with other leaders, with other pastors. I think it'll encourage you. And the other thing it'll do is it'll give you the ability to know what we're up to and pray for us because we're carrying a pretty heavy load right now. My wife and I are really carrying a lot of ministry outside of the church, and we really need your prayers. We really need a lot of backing support. Amen. And I want to start with this incredible quote, it's an African proverb, it says this, if you think you are too small to make a difference in the world, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. Amen. Yes, I can say that again. Um, If you think you are too small to make a difference in the world, try spending the night in a closed room with a mosquito. There you go. Anybody ever had one in their tent? Oh man, the devil. <laughs> Have you ever felt like your life is too small to make a difference? Anybody? Have you ever wondered if anything you're doing really matters? Yeah. Me too. Today I want to share with you how we are making a difference in many churches and with many leaders. I'm going to give you a report of what my wife Peggy and I are doing outside of Grace Harvest Church when we travel. And I want to say thank you for praying for us and supporting us. I want you to see that God is moving in other places because you've sent us to serve and to help others. I want to start by looking at a few scriptures and, and kind of give you a pattern of what you know, we feel we're called to do as a church. So the first is in Acts chapter 13, verses 1-4. through 4, And there are these two characters, Barnabas and Saul, here. And I want you to see what happens. They're, they're at a church in a city called Antioch of Syria. And Antioch became kind of the centerpiece of much of what God was doing in the world at that time. It became kind of a hub. Jerusalem was the mothership, the mother church. But after Jerusalem, Antioch began to be raised up as a center where many were sent out and many came back in. And it was kind of a, a centerpiece church in the early church, in early Christianity. And it says in verse 1, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation, it'll be on the screen as well. Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... By the way, how, how does the Holy Spirit usually speak to us through people, right? The Holy, when it says the Holy Spirit said, what that means is that God spoke through the people present, the prophets and the teachers that were there, and as they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. This is interesting. It says the men laid their hands on them and sent them, and then it says they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses people. Amen? Amen. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit uses people. Amen. Is there, are there any people in this room? Okay, so the Holy Spirit wants to use you as well. Okay, and then it says... They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. And so what you see through the rest of chapter 13 and into chapter 14 is these men went out and they went to various places around the Mediterranean Sea and they preached the gospel and they strengthened churches and they... They actually even started some new things and they experienced persecution and pushback. And during that time as they were preaching, the gospel was expanding not just to Jewish people, not just to Jewish people who were in these regions who went to synagogue, but the gospel began to expand out to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, and the church was growing. And so there came a point in their journeys where they knew they had to return home. They had to go back to Antioch and then ultimately also back to Jerusalem. So first they went to Antioch, and first they went to Jerusalem, and they gave a report. And in chapter 14 of verse 27, it says this, Upon arriving in Antioch, they called the church together and reported everything that God had done through them and how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. By the way, if you're in this room and you're not Jewish and you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, the beginning of the door being opened to the Gentiles was responsible for you being able to sit here and believe in Jesus. What happened 2,000 years ago was God began to talk to people who weren't Jewish people. He began to talk to the Gentile world through the gospel, through these men. And they went out and they preached the gospel. So, And then it says, Uh, In chapter 15, verse 4, they went to the city of Jerusalem and they made a report. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders, and they reported everything that God had done through them. So here's what we see from these texts. First of all, in the early church, people were sent out, kind of like we did this morning. They were sent out. Now, they're moving, obviously, but we're going to send them anyway. The word apostle here in the New Testament means sent one. And churches are called to be apostolic in nature, in mission, and to send people out to spread the gospel and even to help churches and works that already exist. In that way, we are an apostolic church. We send out teams to other nations. People who move away are often sent out to continue to spread what they've learned. And without you might maybe even realizing it, you've sent us out. We go out from here and we help other churches and other leaders. Now, why that's important is because God is up to something that goes beyond just what's happening here and in Moses Lake, amen? How many of you know God loves the world? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, right? His only begotten Son. And so we want to be a part of extending God's love to the earth and God gave gifts to the church. He gave people to the church to help extend what He's doing in the earth. And so I want to report to you some of the things that we do. Now, now let me make something clear. I actually was challenged by our staff recently because um, I have a hard time sharing reports of what I do. And the reason I do is I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my horn. I don't want to be up here being like, whoa, look at what I'm doing. But, But I feel like you need to know. You need to hear the things that God is up to when we go out and when we go to other churches and other leaders. And I think it's also important that you understand all the different things that we're involved in because I have to tell you, we need prayer. Can, can, can I, will you partner with us and pray for us? Church, will you pray for my wife and I? We really need it. We really need it. More than you understand, more than you know. It can really be a challenge uh, all the things we're trying to juggle. So, so I'm sharing this report to encourage you to join us in prayer and so you'll know what's going on. So here's a, here's a number of things that we're involved in doing. First of all, um, we travel out from Grace Harvest Church at least once a month to speak in other churches and give input to their leadership teams and their elders. I'm an elder in two other churches, kind of a translocal elder, as these churches work through transitions. I'm an elder in two other churches... One of the churches is in Walla Walla, it's called Life Church. And the other church is in Prosser, it's called Remnant House. I lead a pastor's group called Leaders Connect that used to be led by one of my mentors, David Minor. There are about 15 churches in that group that are represented. We meet twice a year and I have ongoing conversations with them and input into that group. And um, I'm giving input into a number of the churches in that group. So that's about 15 churches, Leaders Connect, it's a group that I lead. I'm also the Assistant Regional Director for Ministers Fellowship International. MFI is a global network of leaders and churches. I'm responsible for anywhere from six to seven, eight churches in our region. There are 35 churches in our region. Our our region includes eastern Washington, Idaho, and all of Montana. I'm uh, responsible for churches in this part of the region. So I, I keep up with their pastors, their leaders. I help their churches when they need help. Currently I'm helping to guide Remnant House Church in Prosser, Washington um, through a devastating loss of their lead pastor. Their lead pastor died back in October. I'm now their lead elder and I'm over there about once a quarter. I meet with their elders every two weeks online and then I travel over there face-to-face for meetings. I'm involved in ongoing text messages, phone conversations, helping to guide them because they've lost their pastor and they're really going through a difficult season. I also give input to a pastor couple in a church in Dallas, Texas. Peggy and I were just down there in March, and we're continuing to develop that relationship. I've been a part of helping at least two pastors' networks in the Philippines for many years as well. COVID has put that on hold, but we're involved in a couple of networks of churches in the Philippines, and we've been giving input there for years. I'm also a part of starting Ministers' Fellowship International Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe, Africa. There are many churches that are now part of MFI Zimbabwe through these efforts. So myself and Drew's dad, Jeff Eklund, we traveled back and forth to Zimbabwe between 2012 and 2018 doing pastors and leadership seminars and starting a new network. And then um, we helped to raise up and put into place a group of leaders who now are, they're indigenous leaders, meaning they're from Zimbabwe. And they lead the network in their own country, and they're growing the network in their own country. So Zimbabwe has a network like the network we're a part of in Zimbabwe now because of that involvement, those efforts. Obviously, all the glory is to God. It's Him that did the work. But it's what we've been engaged in doing for a number of years. I tell you all of this because it's our conviction that part of our mission as a church is to give me the freedom to do these things, to help churches outside of Moses Lake. You help to make these things possible. Just last week, we spent one and a half days counseling a pastor couple from the west side who are struggling in their marriage. They came over. We spent all of Wednesday afternoon and all day Thursday meeting with them, giving marriage counseling to them, and, and helping them walk through a really difficult time in their life. And then on top of that, as you know, um, I le- I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Harvest Church. So I have my hands full and I really need prayer. And there are times when I'm going, I don't know how to juggle all these things. Help me, Lord. But I think it's important for you to know what I'm doing. And to a degree, I have to say I'm accountable to you as a congregation. And, and here's what's cool. Um, last weekend, we went, to, we went to Prosser, and God did. And, and, and we see this regularly when we go other places. God does really cool stuff. And you might not realize that because I can do that, and be a part of that, by extension, you too are a part of that. Amen? So, you know, just to give you a couple of, uh, of testimonies from last week. And last Saturday and Sunday, we were in Prosser. And I was a part of a leaders meeting with the elders. And Peggy and I met with a couple who were being considered for leadership, gave input, asked them questions about their heart for the church. On Sunday... I, I, I preached, and in the middle of my message, I, I had already I felt like God told me to, you know, in the middle of the message, to stop and pray for people who needed physical healing. And so we had people stand right where they were. I didn't lay hands on anybody, there was no hype, it was very simple, it was just like I feel like the Lord wants to touch people's lives right now. If you need a healing touch in your body somewhere, you know, just put your hand up and right where you stand, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and touch you. And, and so people stood up and we prayed and multiple people in that room were healed. And I got testimonies this last week and one that I thought was rather significant was a, a, a lady who came in with a migraine headache migraine and she struggled with them for many years. And I shared a testimony about how I've had, I had migraines, had migraines in my life from the time I was a toddler all the way into my early forties. And then after years of people in this church praying for me, laying hands on me, uh, contending for me, I got healed. I got healed. And those of you who've been here for a long time, you remember the days that I struggled with migraines. They would debilitate me for days. I would be home in bed. I'd have an ice pack on my head in a dark room, vomiting, and it was a lot of fun. It was terrible, and it would really mess me up, and the Lord healed me. So I shared that testimony, and a woman came in, and she came into church that Sunday and had a migraine, and I shared that testimony, and then we prayed for people, and she said while she was standing there, she literally felt the thing lift out the top of her head, and she was healed. And that was just one of of several different things. Um, At the end of the service. I did what I normally do and I I asked people who wanted to take the first step of trusting in what Jesus Christ had done for them in their place on the cross I to give them the opportunity to take that first step and believe in Jesus and about 4 to 5 people raised their hands and another 10 prayed that they might recommit they they wanted to come back to Christ because they'd wandered off and and so we had about I don't know around 14 15 people that said I want to either follow Jesus for the first time, or I want to turn back to Him starting today. I think that's a great victory. See, this, this is Jesus' victory, and you share in it as well. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for praying. All the credit, the honor, and the glory goes to Him. And, and this, this takes me to what I think is really important for you, and that is God wants to do things through you as well. Now, now look at your hands for a minute. Just lift up your hands and look at your hands. Do you know that those are the hands that Jesus wants to use to touch the world, right? Now, you can't see your own mouth right now, but this mouth that you have, it's it's to bring life to people, words of life, the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? You are the body of Christ, right? He's the head, we're the body. And we walk out into the world, and when you go into the marketplace, when you go to your job when you go to your home, when you go into your neighborhood, you're the people that are going to make Jesus real to others. Amen. You're the ones. You see, the scripture says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, to train the saints for the work of ministry. So what the Bible teaches is that I'm a trainer, our pastoral staff, we're trainers, we're equippers, but you're ministers. Did you know you're the ministers? Sometimes people are like, you know, hey, so who's the minister at your church? Your answer shouldn't be, oh, his name's Doug or Pastor Raul or Noah. Your answer should be, oh, I am. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a minister. I'm a minister of the gospel. Right? And God wants to use you as well everywhere you go and everything that you do. Mark chapter 16, Jesus closes the, um, the Gospels here after He's died on the cross, He's been buried, He's risen, he's, a, he's about to ascend to heaven, and before He ascends, He gives what's known as the Great Commission, and there are several different versions of it. There's Matthew's version, there's Mark's version, there's Luke's version, there's John's version, but... In all of these versions in Mark's gospel, it says this in verse 15 of chapter 16, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In verse 20, And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So they went out, they proclaimed, and the Lord worked with them, and He confirmed the message. That's what God wants to do through you. So how many of you feel sometimes like, well, that's for some people, but it's not for me? Right? You're not going to admit it. That's okay. Listen to this. I love this. Rick Warren says this to people who make excuses as to why God can't use them. Here you go. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent along with a lot of other things, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair and all kinds of family problems, Elijah became suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed. I don't know if I call Elijah suicidal, but he wanted to die. He asked God to kill him, right? Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant and hot-headed, had an anger problem. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. how many of you ever thought what a trippy guy John the Baptist must have been, right? Dude's wearing, you know, really itchy fur on his body, and he's got, you can just imagine, he's got this long beard, there's honey dripping down his beard, and he's got a couple of locust legs hanging out of his mouth, right? I mean he's a trippy guy. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. A Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. That is quite a variety of misfits, but God used each of them in his service. He'll use you too if you'll stop making excuses. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you and give you peace. The Lord be with you. God loves you. Go with God. He goes with you. God bless you all.